Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of the CCGI podcast. Last week we interviewed Dr. Katie Pullman. We discussed her research on the safety of treatment in the pediatric and pregnant populations, as well as the Carl Fellowship. This week we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. both Dr. Carol Cancelier and Dr. Andre Boussier. Dr. Boussier has ended his five-year term as project lead of the CCGI and has passed the torch to Dr. Cancelier. Let's introduce today's guests. All right, thanks, Galen. Um, Andre is a professor in the chiropractic department at l'Université du Québec à Trois-Rivières. He has clinical training in both nursing and chiropractic, graduated from CMCC in 1991. He has an M- MSc in kinesiology and his PhD in population health from the University of Ottawa that he completed in t- 2012. Andre was in private practice for 14 years from 1993 to 2007. He's a fellow of the College of Chiropractic Scientists and serves as an editor an associate editor of the Journal of the Canadian Chiropractic Association and BMC Health Service Research. He's also an editorial board member of Chiropractic and Manual Therapies. For the past five years, Andre's led the CCGI. His research interests include clinical practice guideline development and uptake, knowledge synthesis, implementation research, and professional behavior change. Dr. Cancelier is a clinical epidemiologist coming to the new role with CCGI with a wealth of experience as both a clinician and researcher. She graduated from CMCC in 2004 and practiced for 10 years in Ontario, Saskatchewan, and British Columbia. She completed an MPH degree at Lakehead University in 2011 and a PhD in clinical ep- epidemiology and healthcare research from U of T in t- 2017. Carol's supervisor was Dr. David Cassidy. She investigated the incidence and prognosis of post-traumatic headache in adults. She was also on the board of directors of the OCA from 2009 to 2018 and served as chair of the research committee, chair of the finance and audit committee, treasurer and vice chair of the board. Dr. Cancelier will carry out her work at the CCGI as CCRF research chair of knowledge translation in the faculty of health sciences at UOIT, the University of Ontario Institute of Technology. We're delighted to welcome her on board and look forward to a new chapter for the CCGI under her guidance and vision. Thanks for joining us, bo- both of you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be uh, part of this podcast, and thank you for the kind introduction. Great. It's wonderful to have you, have you both on the air, and, and why don't I just get right into it and ask you, you both a question um, that I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners are, are, are wondering. But uh, we'd like to, to ask, you know, what impact can guidelines have on, on practicing clinicians and what needs to be done in order to create awareness and adoption of best practices in, in our profession? And maybe I'll, maybe I'll start uh, this out to, to Andre first and maybe we can have a discussion about that. Thanks, Galen. Well, the first part of the question is fairly easy. Uh, research indicates that applying guideline recommendation in practice improves patient care and well-being while reducing costs. So that's a no-brainer. We, we know we have good evidence that following guidelines, when they're well-developed, um, will improve patient care, basically. But the second part of the question, I think there's uh, several items to that. There are a number of strategies that can create awareness of best practice in our profession. To start with, I think we need to have create well-crafted messages that target clinicians at various times using different format and different channels. This means that uh, similar messages will come from not only the CCGI, but also national and provincial association, the regulators, teaching institutions as well. So this is a shared responsibility. 
Second, I think we need to have clinicians themselves across the country very motivated to improve patient care. And I know from meeting so many of them across, you know, through the last five years of my mandate, but also uh, previously as part of the faculty members at the, the University of Trois-Rivières, uh, that they generally care about people. So what we need now, I think, is a cultural shift to happen. And this is, uh, there's a good indication that this is happening. The majority of our clinicians across Canada are practicing ethically. They're using the best available information to inform their decision. And they're committed to really good patient care. And that's vital for the credit given to profession. So I'll pause there and uh, let perhaps uh, Carol take over. Thank you, Andre, and thank you for having me on this morning. So much in, in line with what Andre just said, guidelines can help clinicians to most importantly improve patient care, patient outcomes, and cost effectiveness of care. And also, our profession is more likely to be integrated into the healthcare system if we practice evidence-based care. Even small changes can have a positive impact, so it's important for us to be consistent and persistent when we're trying to change practice behaviors. And the other thing that we should keep in mind is guidelines can also help clinicians to manage their risk of uh, malpractice. In terms of what can we do to help create awareness and adoption, I think that clinicians out there are aware, but they're not always engaged, and getting them to engage is, is difficult. Giving them opportunities to do so, making it easier for them to engage, figuring out what the barriers are, and then addressing those barriers in a systematic and evidence-based way. There are different evidence-based ways to overcome barriers, such as training clinicians through opinion leaders, clinical audit and feedback, reminder systems, educational outreach visits, and patient-related strategies. So, for example, if patients are satisfied with care that they receive and pass it on to their clinician, even something small like that can help to change practice. In any event, we know that changing behavior, especially established behavior of any kind, is difficult, and especially in healthcare because the relationships are complex between the different organizations we're part of, the patients and the different professionals we deal with. Also, our prior beliefs and habits impact our changing behavior. So change, even for the better, is not made without inconvenience. Therefore, we need to work with not, not only the individual clinicians out there, but with the associations, the educators, the regulators, and other healthcare disciplines and patients in order to help chiropractors adopt best practices. Well, that's great. Thanks, uh, thanks both of you for that. Um, Andre, this question is directed more for you. Uh, as you as you leave your role at CCGI, what what would you say you've learned over the past five years? What are what are some of the challenges and successes that you can share with us? Yeah, thanks, Kent. Um, well, things I've learned for serving the profession over the past several years that we're very fortunate to have some dedicated people in the profession. I'm referring to some capable, highly committed individuals from coast to coast who donate their time to better profession. These people have been reunited to the same cause and essentially optimal patient care. So I think we really must acknowledge all these people within the CGI and people that are supporting the CGI. Um, what I've learned also is that countries like Denmark, Norway, and Canada are in the move. The train has left the station, so to speak. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, we do, best is for clinicians really to get on board at this point. And I think there was some very clear messages that were made at the last CCA National Convention, Calgary, just last week. We must take responsibility and abandon that you know, behaviors is just not acceptable. They've been tarnishing the profession and reputation. Um, I've learned also that uh, there are golden opportunities to increase utilization rate by promoting the most recent guideline recommendations on the management of low back pain. 
Uh, this is um, quite remarkable now. These recommendations essentially say that the first-line approach to managing back pain is using non-pharmaceutical type approaches. And that's clear from the American College of Physicians guideline, the Danish um, government guideline that was released last year. Our guideline, CCGI, was just released a few weeks ago, are all in the same direction. Essentially, we need to provide education and advice and then uh, use conservative management that chiropractors have been using for ages in managing those patients. And only those patients that don't do well then should be considered for some pharmaceutical approaches. So those are really key, you know, important messages and, and directions that we need to think about. But we need to be at the table negotiation when this comes to life, when we're going to be able to um, articulate our messages to the third-party payers. In order to do that, we just clearly have to use the same language and, and just make sure that our group collectively is behaving well, that we're, you know, uh, united and wanting the best of patients. I think, um, you know, back to a little bit the question earlier, uh, raising awareness, I think Harold as well is right, and this is something I've observed over time, that I think now people know that uh, what the CGI stand for, what we're doing and creating, the website is available with an honest you know, resources, high quality, uh, for people have their fingertips. So, but that does require people taking a bit of time to the busy schedule to learn something new every week. For instance, reading a guideline or a systematic review to look at the best way of managing a shoulder problem or asking questions about the likelihood of chronic patients that are not, you know, have more complicated case and learning, for instance, to have approaches such as cognitive behavioral therapy to improve the patient's likelihood of doing well or referring or co-managing those patients. But I think this is, um, you know, so, so many good things have happened. Of course, there's some challenges still. Uh, one example is we're not connected across the country with electronic health records. And that for research makes it difficult because we're really unable at this point to exactly understand and know um, precisely who comes to see who, for what reasons, number of treatment provided, outcomes from those treatments. And so even being able to capture this, if you can imagine having similar uh, indicators of success and being able to monitor practice when we implement a new guidelines and can see the improvement, the uptake of the information and it's being applied in practice, this would go a long, long way for the profession. So, you know, there's much to do still, but I'm very, very pleased in seeing what, what where we've come from and where we're going. Wonderful. Still lots of work ahead. <laughs> Um, one question that uh, I'm sure our listeners are thinking about is what do you have planned for your time away from the CCJ? What are your uh, immediate and, and long-term plans now? Well, three things we're still working on for the CCGI. Um, one is a spinal stenosis guideline and we're uh, meeting uh, very soon to finalize the recommendations and hoping that this uh, manuscript will be released you know, within the probably end of 2018, maybe early 2019. Um, with Kent and several others, we have a national survey that actually looks at the attitudes and beliefs uh, toward evidence-informed practice and guidelines. We had done the same in 2014, so this is a follow-up. And there were uh, quite a number of people who participated in that survey, so that's great. And uh, also an implementation trial that we're finishing uh, here in Quebec, looking at the feasibility of implementing a guideline recommendation. This is about 
self-management. So that will keep me busy for the, the summer still. But after that, I'm going to be able to travel through the UK, Australia, and Denmark, and uh, meeting colleagues there, and uh, being able to undertake new uh, projects. These are just amazing opportunities, and I really look forward to being able to uh, spend time with uh, these researchers and uh, learn new things. That's great, and you get to tick off a few th things from your bucket list in terms of travel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. So hopefully the weekends will be times where you know, I can uh, visit cities and, and just travel around, not work as much, and uh, but the work weekdays should be busy with uh, undertaking a few projects. One of them is I find quite interesting is uh, trying to understand the social factors that are related to the onset and the persistence of low back pain. We know a lot about reasons why people, or well, factors why people might be getting back pain that are biological in nature, you know, work-related stuff where people are truck drivers and there's a vibration associated to that and can cause disc problems. We know a lot about psychological overlays and risk factors as well. Um, although there's still much to learn, but we know very little about the social factors themselves, um, you know, things that relate to education and families and, um, and, and many other factors. And so that will be, I think, a very interesting project that will be done in, with an international uh, group of collaborators. And I know Carol has done work around this issue as well on the workers. I, th I find it really interesting that you think that researchers get weekends off. I'm, I'm unaware of this policy. Yeah, that's what's you know, that's the luxury of a, a sabbatical. <laughs> um, Carol, we're we're really excited to bring you on board um, and have you have you take over as our project lead. What what motivated you to take this position? So very simply, I want to help people and patients know that chiropractors have a big role to play in reducing disability as experts in spinal and and musculoskeletal health. I want to help chiropractors do their best for patients by practicing evidence-based care. And I want to really just help secure chiropractors' rightful place in the healthcare system in Canada because I think that is what's best for the healthcare system and for patients. That's, uh, that's great. That's, uh, that's a big mandate, and that's, I know you'll do a great job with it. What, uh, what are some of your, your future plans for the CCGI? Do you have some short-term ones and some long-term ones as well? Well, I need to start collaborating with other disciplines and not start, but continue to collaborate with other disciplines and internationally to produce a guideline for the management of spinal-related disability. This really comes in response to the call for action by the recent authors of the Lancet Low Back Pain series. We all heard from these at our recent Canadian Chiropractic National Convention. We know that low back pain is a leading cause of disability worldwide and that chiropractors need to take the lead on addressing this. So that would be one of the first new guidelines that I'd like to propose to, to begin. I'd like to synthesize and update guidelines by other guideline groups, giving clinicians the information and resources they need to best manage things like post-concussion symptoms, shoulder and other extremity conditions, and creating care pathways based on the evidence. So how do chiropractors help manage a patient's path, both clinically and then back to work or school or their participation in life? Ultimately, then, I would like to be able to measure the impact of our initiative and to continue to improve our methods to ensure that we're, in fact, achieving positive impacts for patients and the healthcare system. So a lot of work to do, but we have a great team in place to do it. Wonderful. And, and, uh, 
you know, we were all at the National Convention quite recently in Calgary, and, and I know I was quite uh, inspired and motivated by, by all of the presentations and, and the direction that the profession is heading. So, you know, I, although this was short, you know, it's, it was really helpful to, for us to touch base with, with both of you and, and get your insights and, and uh, understand where you're both going and, and, and coming from. And thank you both for your time, Andre and Carol. It was a pleasure to have both of you with us today. And uh, you know, Andre, we'd like to thank you for your years of dedication to the CCGI and wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And, uh, and Carol, we're, we're really looking forward to working with you and continuing to, to drive this important work forward. Thank you, yeah. likewise. Yeah, thank you everyone and um, all the best. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks to both of you and, th and thanks to, to all of our listeners for tuning in. We'll look forward to bringing you our next guest in two weeks. Bye for now. <laughs>